The kakadu plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that believes there's no time like the present to learn about the past. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're looking at the time when Thomas Edison invented a way to record and play back his own voice, thus paving the way for the entire podcast industry. The day was December 6, 1877. At his lab in Menlo Park, New Jersey, inventor Thomas Edison made the first recording on his newly completed phonograph. When his aide, John Crusey, had put the finishing touches on the machine, Edison christened it by reciting the 1830 nursery rhyme, Mary Had a Little Lamb. The poem was probably on his mind, since at the time, his daughter Marion was four years old, and his eldest son was almost two. Edison's original recording no longer exists, but the inventor actually recreated it for the invention's 50th anniversary in 1927. Take a listen. I spoke in the original phonograph, a little piece of practical poetry. Mary had a little lamb, its streets were white as snow, and everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. Thomas Edison is best remembered for his invention of the electric light bulb, but his first brush with fame was two years earlier, when he debuted the phonograph. A marvel at the time, it was the first instrument that could both record sound and reproduce it. 
Edison came up with the idea of the phonograph by chance while working on improvements to the telegraph. He had recently found success in the business market with a machine that could record telegraph transmissions so that they could be decoded later. That way, an operator could step away from the telegraph without fear of missing an incoming message. It was like an early version of the answering machine, except instead of recording sound onto tape, it recorded dots and dashes by embossing them onto paper. It was this general concept of recording that led Edison to wonder if the same could be done with sound itself. The recording of sound wasn't actually a challenge. Other inventors had already devised ways to record sounds as written notation, similar to Edison's telegraph equipment. However, playing back the recorded sound as something you could actually hear, that hadn't been done before. Edison typically took a business-like approach to his inventions, rarely making a move without extensive planning and a clear practical end in mind. However, he made an exception for his efforts to record and playback sound, and in the end, that meandering approach paid off. As Edison reflected years later, quote, When I have fully decided that a result is worth getting, I go about it and make trial after trial until it comes. I never did anything worth doing by accident, nor did any of my inventions come indirectly through accident. Except the phonograph. He began experimenting in the summer of 1877. The first step was figuring out how to record sound in such a way that it could be reproduced later. Edison hit upon the idea of a diaphragm attached to an embossing needle. When sound waves caused the diaphragm to vibrate, the needle would etch its movements onto a piece of wax paper to make a recording. With help from his assistants, Edison whipped up a prototype and was satisfied with the result, noting that, quote, the vibrations are indented nicely, and there is no doubt that I shall be able to store up and reproduce at any future time the human voice perfectly. By August, Edison had dubbed his new invention the phonograph. For the next several months, he and his crew shifted their focus to the next part of the problem, finding the right recording medium that would actually play back audible sound. Edison's notes show that a host of options were considered, some of which were actually built as prototypes. By late November, they had settled on using a rotating brass cylinder wrapped with tinfoil. The recording process was done through a piece of a telephone called a repeater, which acted as a microphone. The sound waves of a person's voice would be recorded as grooves, which a needle would scratch into the foil-wrapped cylinder. Then, to play back the sound, the needle would vibrate as it retraced the grooves of the recorded sound waves. The workman tasked with completing the prototype was John Crusey, but he didn't have much faith that the machine would work. And to be fair, Edison didn't either. But there was only one way to find out. On December 6th, the phonograph was finally ready to be tested. Edison described the moment of truth, writing, quote, it was finished. The foil was put on. I then shouted, Mary had a little lamb, etc. I adjusted the reproducer, and the machine reproduced it perfectly. I was never so taken aback in my life. 
Everybody was astonished. I was always afraid of things that worked the first time. Long experience proved that there were great drawbacks found generally before they could be got commercial. But here was something there was no doubt of. The very next day, Edison paid an unannounced visit to the editors of Scientific American magazine in New York. There, he gave a demonstration of his new invention, and the spectators were just as astonished to see it worked as the inventor had been. The publication later recounted the event, saying, quote, Mr. Thomas A. Edison recently came into this office and placed before the editors a small, simple machine about which very few preliminary remarks were offered. The visitor, without any ceremony whatever, turned the crank, and to the astonishment of all present, the machine said, Good morning. How do you do? How do you like the phonograph? The machine thus spoke for itself and made known the fact that it was the phonograph. These remarks were not only perfectly audible to ourselves, but to a dozen or more persons gathered around, and they were produced by the aid of no other mechanism than the simple little contrivance. With a working prototype and successful demonstration, Edison filed for a patent on the phonograph in late 1877 and received it in February of the next year. Interestingly, when he began to market the machine, he presented it primarily as an office tool for dictating letters. He also envisioned it as an alternative to the recently invented telephone, which was still too expensive for most people to own. The idea was that people could go to a store, record a message on a phonographic tube, and then mail it to a friend or relative to be played back on a different machine. It wouldn't have been as fast or convenient as simply calling someone up, but it would provide a permanent recording that could be replayed as many times as you wanted. A little further down on Edison's list of potential uses was the recording of music. He got a little sidetracked by the light bulb, but he eventually made his way into the music business. In 1888, Edison released what he called the perfected phonograph. This new and improved model used recordings etched onto wax cylinders instead of the old brass and foil ones. The change improved sound quality and reduced wear and tear during playback. The earliest of these cylinders could only hold about two minutes of content, but that was long enough. Edison started selling recordings of music and recitations of speeches and poems, essentially starting the world's first record company. Of course, it wasn't long before competitors began producing their own cylinders. Gradually, this competition led to further innovation, such as being able to make recordings longer than two minutes. Another limitation of using wax cylinders was that each one had to be recorded from live music. That made mass production difficult, as there was no way to scale the recording process beyond the number of phonographs you could fit into a room with a musician. That ultimately changed when the recording industry switched over to discs, which could be stamped to create as many copies as needed. As for Edison, his company also ditched the cylinders and remained profitable well into the 1920s. However, before the decade was out, the radio made its debut and Edison saw the writing on the wall. 
He shut down his recording company in 1929 and stepped away from the industry he himself had invented. Edison's cylinders may have been supplanted by discs, which have themselves given way to digital files, but each new medium still hinges on that same absurd premise that he stumbled on over a century ago, that it's possible to speak into a machine and then have the machine speak back. What a concept. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.